Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. George Barnes and Ali Materas are speech-language pathologists who, after years of working in hospitals and feeling like not enough patients were getting access to the instrumental swallowing exams that they needed, friends George and Allie decided to start their very own mobile fees business in January of 2020. Well, then came the COVID curveball. Whether you're interested in offering mobile fees, want to know more about the realities of starting a private practice with a business partner, or just want to hear about how they've regrouped, rebounded, and are ready to truly grow their mobile fees business, you are in for a treat. So stay tuned. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place. So let's get started. I cannot tell you the amount of private practices that were just starting or had just started to take off when the pandemic hit. The two people who you are about to hear from were in that same position. But rather than give up or push off their private practice dreams, they found very creative ways to convey the benefits of their services to patients and facilities. Because they have a mobile fees business, They go straight to the patient's homes or facilities, which is very convenient. It's funny, there are some aspects of the pandemic that are going to forever change the way we live and the way that we run businesses. And one thing is clear. Despite all of the inconveniences of COVID, there were some conveniences that people aren't going to want to give up. One of those is clinicians coming straight to patients and providing services in the home or community locations, and the other is telepractice. Sure, there are some services, providers, and clients who are dying to go back to typical clinical settings. So if you and your clients fall into that category, there are going to be people who want to see you. But before the pandemic, no one really understood things like telepractice or mobile fees. Speech therapy over the internet? How does that work? 
Now, many clients and many practitioners aren't going to want to give up that level of convenience. Same with home-based services. There's going to be a growing market for customized services, boutique therapy, and in-home or on-location services. Our guests today have a mobile fees business that is based in New York and New Jersey that is poised for growth. I can't wait for you to hear their startup story, where they are now, and their plans for the future. So let's dive in. So before we dive in, can you both share your name, your locations, and the name of your private practice? Yes, of course. Allie, why don't you go first? Hi, my name is Allie Materis. I am co-owner of Feasible Swallow Solutions, and that is a mobile fees business in North Jersey. I also, and we also cover the New York State area. I also work in acute care and inpatient rehab. And my name is George Barnes. I am a speech pathologist, also co-owner of Feasible Swallow Solutions. And I also work for a variety of different settings uh, as a speech pathologist. I work for a, an acute rehab facility, an LTAC, and a community hospital. I'm so thrilled to have y'all here. This is probably maybe not the first person we've had or people that we've had on the podcast who have a mobile fees business, but I think that it's really great to highlight all kinds of different private practices, this of course being one. And then the other unique thing here is that we have a business partnership, right? So it's also kind of cool to hear how people, you know, work as business partners. So what I wanted to start our interview with, could y'all give a little bit of background about, you know, how you started in the field, you know, and, you know, what kind of led you to the point of thinking about private practice? And I'll let either of you go first. I worked in the SNFs for five years, the skilled nursing facilities for five years. They taught me about patient advocacy and how to provide quality therapy services. I, however, got a little bit burnt out because my situation was I was doing mobile fees for the large conglomerate of skilled nursing facilities. And then I would come back and then I would have, say, maybe 10 cognitive communication therapy sessions to do. Yes. So George and I had a working relationship. George worked in the hospital that was next to my skilled nursing facility And when George broached this topic with me, I thought, I have to do this. There's no way that I can't try this because I loved fees so much and it was my clinical passion. So I just had to say yes. So that's how we got started. But I'd love to hear George's side of the story. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Basically, the idea came from the, the need for this service in our field. I, I feel like we haven't been and still are not focusing enough on uh, imaging, instrumental studies. And a lot of this has to do with sort of the complications with sending patients out for modified barium swallow studies. It's expensive. Uh, it's uncomfortable and painful for the patient. They're exposed to radiation. And the primary speech pathologist that's treating the patient typically has no involvement during the test. And I think this has kind of led us to have a certain confirmation bias that's created the belief that the bedside swallow evaluation gives us way more information than it actually does. 
because it's so complicated to send patients out for modifieds. But with fees, the service comes directly to the patient. And it's done in the comfort of the patient's own bed with loved ones by their side, the primary SLP by their side, um, so they can be involved in the actual evaluation. There's no radiation, no radiologist, and it can be done as long as you want uh, with whatever PO trials as you want. So, you know, we wanted to provide this access, you know, access to high quality imaging without all of the burdens that are involved with a modified barium swallow study and at a fraction of the cost. And that is exactly what mobile fees does. So I want to say like two and a half years ago, I called Allie up. I gave her my spiel. I thought this is a good opportunity for us, um, especially in the New York and New Jersey area where it's, there's a ton of people, it's a very highly populated area, and there's a huge need for this. And Allie was my go-to person for obvious reasons, which I'm sure many of your listeners have already grasped. Um, she knows what she's doing. She's had a track record of making huge changes in her administration, created a very successful statewide fees program herself. And um, so in many ways, she has been a perfect partner. Well, I love to hear that. I'm sure, Allie, you love to hear that too. Love um, it. <laughs> love it. But it's always so nice when people are able to, you know, fill a need, right? You, you fill, you're filling kind of two needs, right? Like earlier, both of you kind of talked about some um, dissatisfaction in, you know, settings that you were working in and whatnot. So, right, you filled kind of your own need, as well as obviously a huge need for patients and facilities who weren't getting what they needed, Right. So I think that's one of the things that I talk a lot about is about making sure that, you know, people who are interested in private practices are, you know, finding people to serve and also remembering to serve, you know, their own needs as well. So once y'all had this kind of phone call and, and George gave this spiel, I can, I can sense that it was maybe kind of like shark tanky, like, Hey, this is like what we're going to do. <laughs> this is my idea. What? No, I'm just kidding, George. Um, but what was sort of the next steps, right? Like George presents this idea and then what happened next? So, I mean, Allie, you can tell, <laughs> you can tell your side of this, but it definitely was not shark tanky at, at all. I think that I was, I think it was just like, it was so completely informal. I don't even think I had any plans to even talk about it. I was kind of just like, Hey, do you want to like touch base on something and like talk about an idea? And Allie was just like, oh, yeah, that sounds really cool. We should totally do it. And then, I mean, that was one conversation among many. And it took a year, year and a half, uh, about a year and a half to two years before, like, we really got everything, um, you know, together for an actual company. And um, Allie, you tell me your side of things. Well, I don't know if you'll love to hear this, George, but I think one time you told me that Shark Tank is one of your favorite shows. Did you not tell it me is, that? It <laughs> is one of my favorite shows. I'm embarrassed. I'm, I'm glad one of, us, one of us said it. Listen, it's one of my favorite shows as well, which is probably why I mentioned it. Yeah, it's a great show, but I, I will absolutely say that initial phone call was less Shark Tanky and more just really teeming with passion, honestly, because both George and I, we did experience the, the modified barium swallows in the hospitals and we love modified barium swallows. George and I complete them both every day in our, in our other jobs, but 
we just, like George said, we saw this void and this kind of delay in care at times. And we really wanted to provide a more efficient, comfortable service for the patients. And I could just hear that in George's voice and the way he talked about it. And that was another reason. It was, you know, not only did I want to do this for myself because I was looking for another opportunity, but I wanted to do this for the patients. And I knew just because of of George's passion and the way he spoke that I wanted to do this with him. And it was a perfect opportunity. And the proposition came at a perfect time, truly. Well, I love that too. That's something else I say all the time is to trust the timing of your life, right? Mm -hmm. So it sounds like this was, you know, the right time for, for y'all, you know, to get started. So, so you, you had this, you know, informal phone call, you, you know, both shared that this was something that you were looking forward to doing. And so once you decided that this was a go, what were some of the next steps that you took? Like you said, it took about a year and a half to get fully up and running. What were some of those steps that you took during that period in order to lay the groundwork? Because I'm sure that some of our listeners who are thinking about maybe going in this direction, but aren't really sure how to get started, you know, what were some of the things that you did in order to get your fees business off the ground? Yeah, I would say a lot of it was sort of just kind of planning um, an attack, so to speak, to uh, to jump on that shark theme that we've been uh, on for so long now. Basically, just coming up with a business plan, figuring out how we were going to finance things like the endoscope, um, which can be uh, very expensive, figuring out kind of roles and responsibilities, um, who we're going to use for accounting and legal questions, especially in the state of New Jersey, um, which has a um, sort of a unique legal situation with um, having doctor supervision and so kind of how, how to logistically do some of the things that we had planned doing. Because you know, when you have any kind of idea and you want to implement it, it sounds much easier through conversation and through all of your excitement, but then kind of laying down the groundwork takes a lot of time. And I will say probably most of that year and a half was kind of just, you know, aside from actually building the business and going through all of the, you know, necessary paperwork through establishing the business. It's kind of just a lot of back and forth with Ali, figuring out what we wanted to do, who we wanted to target figuring out a marketing plan and a business plan, kind of how we're going to pay for the things we're going to pay for, what we're going to do with the money as it comes in, so that we're not sort of running on the seat of our pants and figuring it out as we go along. I will say I learned two fantastic pieces of not, well, way more than two, but two that stick out in my mind um, from George, who was very humble and probably won't say that George, you majored in marketing or is it business in college? Yes. Yeah. So George majored in marketing. marketing, Yes. And so a couple of the things that I learned very early on when I received a Google doc at six o'clock in the morning on a Saturday from George, it had a SWOT analysis (laughs) template. So the strategies, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And I thought this is so profound. You know, I, I never had been introduced to this concept before. And so that was the thing that, you know, really got me thinking about our business plan. And it just made so much sense. Um, so I encourage anybody who's thinking of starting any kind of business to take a look at that, um, take a look at that SWOT analysis because it's very valuable information. And then the other thing that we talked about was not only targeting 
you know, skilled nursing facilities or um, potential customers that you think would want to do business with you, but also talking to the potential customers and businesses who might not want to do business with you because you want to see, you know, you want to see the fallbacks, the drawbacks. You want to know every single question that you could get from these facilities or companies or clients, what have you, so that you can have an answer prepped. You can meet those needs for whenever that comes down the line. So I learned a lot in the first year. Absolutely. SWOT analyses are really helpful for you to think, to anticipate things, right? And to really think about your business like overall and what kind of um, things you might be coming up against, you know, what might be going in your favor or not. And so I really liked what you said too about talking with people who may um, not be interested, right? Because when you get those objections, that's really important from, from a sales point of view, right? Because what you are, what y'all are really doing too is selling your service and you want to make sure that people understand really what the benefits are. And sometimes when people have a lot of objections, like it may be based on real things or it may be, you know, based on myths or perceived things. So that is really important information to gather. Yeah, it really helped us in the first year. Absolutely. We, you know, described all of these things that could potentially happen. And we had little pitches and, you know, pieces of information that we could give out to any of the potential um, companies that we wanted to work with. And it, it just really set the foundation for the second year. Okay. Fantastic. And how many years into, into this business are y'all? So we, uh, we created the business in January of 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're still pretty young and we had a, a nice huge hiccup uh, from, I would say March of 2020 to probably the fall of 2020 um, because of a little thing called COVID which uh, especially in the Northeast, it hit us really hard in March. So like only really a few weeks after we started our business, which made things interesting. Um, It was definitely a challenge, uh, but in a lot of ways, I think it taught us a lot too. It taught us to, uh, first of all, to not take anything for granted and to uh, kind of figure out another way to approach a situation that seems like it's unapproachable. And so we kind of changed our marketing approach um, to cater to the patients that were unable to go out of the facilities and uh, have access to the the acute hospitals at that point, because most community hospitals were not accepting outpatients uh, during the crisis. So while we didn't really get our foot in the door in a lot of places during the, um, you know, March, April, May, like the really the heart of the crisis at that point, um, because we were kind of dealing with it on our at our own uh, jobs, at our own hospitals as well. But um, we were able to talk to a lot of people about the benefits of having a service that goes directly to the patient so that they wouldn't have to worry about all of the concerns and stresses of leaving the facility, um, leaving the safety of their facility and really, you know, going into the ambulance and the hospital, all of these places, which carry all sorts of germs, not just COVID and being in the safety of their own home. I know it, it, in some ways, some of this ended up being kind of silver linings for setting up the types of businesses that have a convenience model which is a lot of what what y'all are describing. Before we started recording, I just want to give George credit. He called it the curb it, oh, sorry, the COVID curveball. 
which I just butchered, but it was so great, right? It really was a COVID curveball for all of us, but especially for people in private practice who are used to doing, you know, work that you're really in very close contact with people and, you know, sometimes having people come to you, going to them, you know, whatever the situation is. I know so many folks who started their private practices or were really starting to grow them right when COVID hit. And so, yeah, Curveball is is a great way to describe what happened. But tell folks, like, where are things now? So at the time of this recording, it's June 2021. And so what are things like in your business, like right now? Thankfully, things have picked up for us. We have clients in New York and New Jersey. We've been getting excellent feedback on our service, you know, it's been it's been a really long journey, and I think what that did for us is sort of kind of you know we've we've had more of an appreciation for the work that we do do and the work that we do get, and there really is no feeling like putting in all of this hard work over the past few years and putting it into a successful practice and and seeing the direct impact that it has on so many of the patients that we see. Because we really, we really do feel like we're making a difference in terms of the clinical practice that the speech pathologists provide that we support, um, and in terms of the patients that we see directly. You know, Ali, maybe you want to add on to that. I completely agree, and I just want to say there's no better feeling than walking into a building that hasn't had instrumental evaluations either ever. Or, you know, solely because of the pandemic and and corporate policies, you know, all the SLPs, we would have had these and modified barium swallows the whole time. But there's no better feeling than having that lapse or having that absence for such a long time and then coming in and being able to do your thing. One, doing the thing that you love. Two, helping, not two, primary reason is helping the patients. And then the the third thing is helping your colleagues. It's just, it's no better feeling than helping your colleagues do their jobs and you being so happy doing the same. It's been really, really thrilling and uh, just quite a relief to be able to do our jobs these days for sure. Yeah. And I think that y'all brought up an important, you know, part of why people pursue private practice a lot of times is to really continue to be helpful, but to be able to be even more helpful then possibly you are in, you know, a regular job or that kind of thing, right? And so really being able to to help your community, whatever, you know, your community is, like air quotes, right? So for y'all, it's obviously, you know, SNFs and other hospitals and, and these kind of facilities. Um, one of the other questions that I had was just a little bit more about, you know, as business partners, how do y'all like divvy up, you know, roles within the business? Like I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who maybe have someone just like you guys who are like, oh, I know exactly who I want to do this with. Or maybe other people who are like, I don't know if I can do this by myself. Like, let me find a friend. And so what would you say to people who are, would really like to navigate this whole private practice thing um, with somebody else? Yeah. You know, when we, when I first had this idea, I honestly just thought it would be really boring to do it by myself. And so I, um, Allie is actually really fun and interesting. And so that I think just makes our job really interesting. And it also, I think there's a, uh, there's a creative aspect to it as well. 
where you know two minds are better than one and um i think that we sort of we kind of feed into each other and we we have different strengths and weaknesses um i was just telling ali actually recently that she she knows how to reel me in when my uh when my creative juices go flowing and i am you know unable to reel myself in and we're thinking about stuff that's way beyond our business model or beyond anything that's quote unquote feasible um so she you know she has a really good ability to kind of to ground what we're trying to do and to to refocus our approach and in terms of roles and responsibilities it's been helpful that i've that i do have a business background so i've kind of taken a lot of the business aspect of the company um, in terms of marketing and business planning um, and a little bit of accounting figuring out the finances and stuff like that. But Ali um, has surprised me too, because she um, doesn't have any background in business. But I think that is also a strength because um, she comes up with lots of great ideas and great feedback and, and great approaches to problems that I just simply would be unable to, to see on my own, which is great. Yeah, thank you for saying that. First of all, it's nice. But I think that our partnership works extremely well because George and I all, I don't know if George would agree, but I think that George and I have very similar personalities, but just different ways of viewing things. So George is very much a dreamer, which we need, you know, when we're starting a business, we need that. And I'm very, very much of a realist. Um, and I like to take, you know, small steps and, you know, small short-term goals and George is a long-term goal kind of guy. Um, so I think it works out really, really well that we're, we're both able to hone in on those things and bring each other back to center. And we just started having weekly phone calls, weekly chats <laughs> to center ourselves. So yeah, we work really well together. And I'm not saying you need to have similar personalities to have a business together. In fact, you know, having those opposing viewpoints at times really helps us hone it in. Well, I think it's about balance, right? You need somebody who balances you out. And I agree that there's a lot of value in having someone who's maybe a little bit more of the visionary and then also someone who's like, okay, but here are the steps that we need to take in order to meet those goals. So I think that that's a really great you know, um, element to have in a partnership for sure. One of the other things I was going to ask does have to do with marketing. So when you were trying to figure out you know, how to get more clients, which I would assume in your case are more like facilities, how are you getting more contracts or whatever language that you use to describe your client base? So, um, yeah, so our approach to marketing has been um, direct and indirect. Um, our indirect marketing is sort of just kind of getting our name out there um, in the form of most recently the blog that we've created, The Scope which is on our website, feasibleswallowsolutions.com. And it's called The Scope because the purpose of it is really to explore different topics and areas that fall um, outside of dysphagia, but are still related to dysphagia. So um, it's quote unquote, thinking beyond the swallow. And the reason, I mean, the reason that I started this blog um, is kind of multiple reasons. One in particular was to learn. 
I learn by writing and I've been very interested in a lot of different topics. And so I would sort of dive into a certain topic and want to learn everything I can about it. And um, the best way to sort of organize my thoughts is to write it together. And then um, number two, to kind of put it out there so people can see and and hope that it's um, high quality enough that it is a reflection of the high quality work that we put into our business. So it's kind of a form of free education to you know get people interested in the brand and to to come to our website and see what we have to offer. And then in terms of uh, direct marketing, we actually have a very long Excel spreadsheet of every single skilled nursing facility in New Jersey and in the New York City area. And we basically cold call, send emails, um, you know, during COVID, just kind of showing up to the facilities unannounced was a little bit frowned upon. But I think, um, I think that that practice might be a little bit more acceptable soon. So um, I think we'll uh, start doing that as well, because we want, we want people to be basically aware of our service, aware of our quality, and to get as excited about mobile teas as we are. We'll be knocking on the doors with feasible cookies soon, you know? (laughs) (laughs) People love cookies, right? I mean, that's, you can really still win people over with food. That's totally true. I love what you said about essentially what, what I sometimes call leading with education, right? So you have, you know, your blog, you're, you're showing yourself as, you know, a, a subject matter authority and someone who can help and knows, you know, a lot. And, and I, I like, George, how you said that you learn by writing. I feel like I'm very much the same way. I remember in, in grad school, I would just rewrite all of my notes. Like that's, I don't know how I studied work pretty well. Um, I did the same thing. I did the same thing. Yeah. This, and like in top <laughs> books, I remember I used to like the quad composition books anyway, big dork, probably still have them in my basement somewhere. But anyway, I just really like that idea of leading with education, because that's one of the things that a lot of SLPs say is that they're worried about being pushy or being salesy. And I find that if you take that approach of leading with education, it, it never feels that way, right? It feels like, hey, I've got the service to offer. Here are you know who we serve. Here's how we help them. Are you interested? And then people are either interested or not. And yes, sometimes they have some objections that you maybe need to to work through. But I think that that's a really nice way to approach, you know, growing your private practice is is by using that kind of method. So I love that. What are some of your next like steps and directions? Like I know that you know it's a little bit weird because we're you know kind of coming out of COVID now. But what are some things that y'all have have planned for the business? Yeah, so our primary focus right now is on uh, is on fees, is on mobile fees. But we do have a few other kind of fun, exciting ideas. These are these are the ones that I'm getting a little carried away with that Ali is kind of bringing me <laughs> back to earth on. They're wonderful <laughs> ideas. <laughs> but they are, you know, they're they're probably like one to two year plans. Um, I'm actually so one of them is a mentorship service, which we've been getting interest on through our website and through uh, my Instagram handle, Dysphagia Dude, uh, just people kind of looking for information, looking for guidance, seeing um, if we can help in any way. So that kind of just created the idea of doing some sort of mentorship service where we would basically be on call for speech pathologists that are either uh, new, uh, brand new to the field as a new grad or kind of transitioning from another area of the field into medical speech pathology. 
And so to be on call for these individuals anytime, any day, to help them with things like goal setting, uh, guidance for education and, and career building, um, to help them with the communication skills and, and approaching uh, the administration for either self-advocacy or patient advocacy, you know, to, to improve their influence with the administration, with their, um, their IDT, their, their team at work. Um, and basically just to kind of teach everything that we've learned over the many years that we've been practicing to, to help uh, people as a stepping stone to kind of start their career on the right foot. I do want to, my goal is to kind of come up with a pilot program for that in the next few months, just so we have something to see if, if people are interested in that. And certainly if any of your listeners are interested, they can email us and we'll, we'll talk to them a little bit more about that as well. I love that. I mean, mentorship is so important. And I feel like, especially in areas where people uh, feel extra nervous or feel like they just like want someone to kind of help them work through things. I think that, you know, the ability to have access to that is really really important. So, and I, I love too, that you're, you know, thinking ahead and also like doing a pilot program is something I think is also very valuable, right? When, whenever you start a new business venture, it always is a good idea to make sure that people really want it um, before diving, you know, headfirst. And in this case, I would anticipate that this would be something that people would very much want, but I, I like your idea of planning ahead and thinking about doing a pilot program just to, you know, kind of make sure and test the waters a little bit. Um, is there anything that we haven't touched on yet that you feel like you would really like to share with our listeners, either, you know, things that y'all have done, successes, mistakes, any lessons learned, that kind of thing? One of the questions that we, George and I were speaking about before we got on here is, you know, if you could send a message to yourself, you know, a few months from now, a few years from now, what would that message be? Um, so I thought a lot about this because I'm just very introspective, goal-oriented. So I just would like to say, you know, like for the first half of my career, no matter what setting I worked in or what project I was working on, I had this terrible habit of questioning my preparedness, my readiness for that next big step whatever that was meant for or whatever that was at the time, whether it was advocating for a raise or interviewing for my first acute care position, I went around this like hamster wheel of self-doubt. And I realized eventually that I just had to do things that scared me, you know? So for me, that meant very intentionally making space for myself in roles and opportunities, even if they terrified me. So for me, and I know for George as well, but speaking from my perspective, feasible is just so much more than a business opportunity. It means the opportunity for me to be kind of the best version of myself or my patients. And we were talking about our community before. So, and that's what they deserve. So feasible is the challenge that I really needed um, to rise to this professional occasion. And one more thing, since I'm on my soapbox, we talk a lot about imposter syndrome, right? And to me, imposter syndrome doesn't always pertain because if you're an imposter, you're not supposed to be where you are. We are supposed to be doing this. We're supposed to be leaders, right? So this isn't imposter syndrome. This is just us making a space for where we should be. Beautifully said, Allie. I, I love that because, you know, imposter syndrome comes up all the time, right? And as SLPs, I feel like we are particularly susceptible to it. And 
it really keeps people stuck and it keeps us from doing the work that our patients need, right? We talk a lot about, you know, wanting to be helping people, people, or, you know, that we are helping people, people, but when you hold back from helping because of things like imposter syndrome, then you're not helping. So yeah, I, I totally agree with what you said about, you know, the space and that you deserve to be in the space and, and other people need you to be in that space. So, right. Yeah. I love that. Um, George, is there anything that you would like to make sure that our listeners hear before we wrap up? Yeah. I mean, basically as far as kind of gen- generally speaking, um, you know, it's hard to kind of follow Allie because um, she put everything so well in terms of sort of defining where we are as a field and and kind of how to make our mark on the field. But just if I were to send a message to myself, you know, say years ago when I first started in this career, I would say learn as much as you can. Go to conferences, speak to other speech pathologists, other professionals, learn from other people's experiences to grow. It, it takes time to be an expert, but if you are spending that time wisely, you will guarantee expertise for yourself. It's all about being on the right path and, and never giving up on that path as long as you know that you are in it for the right reasons. Um, because the more you know and the more you learn, the more you can end up helping, helping the patients. Yeah, I love that. I mean, wonderful words of wisdom from both of you. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for, for sharing your stories and your, your journey thus far. And I wish you all of the best. And I'm just so excited that, you know, now that we're done with the COVID curveball or done-ish, right? Now we can, you know, really kind of try to get things back on track. And there's so many people that you're going to be able to serve and help and, and also have, you know, this extra aspect of your life, which I think also is great. So where can our listeners learn more about your business, you know, Instagram, all of those things? Where can people find you? So you can find us at our website. That's feasibleswallowsolutions.com. Please subscribe to our blog. You'll see our blog on there titled The Scope. That way we can kind of reach out to you directly with our blog itself and any other kind of updates with our company and other projects that we're working on. Um, You can also follow me on Instagram at Dysphasia Dude, which is uh, more of an informal platform where I basically just send out fun memes that are usually, not always, but usually tied to some sort of educational piece um, and information that's actually useful in your daily practice. Um, And we also will be providing a slide deck for you guys that I believe, Jenna, you'll you'll provide access to the listeners. Um, It's basically a kind of how to get fees in your building uh, slide deck. So that is something that we help with, you know, no, no charge that give us a ring, um, send us an email. We'll give you uh, the slide deck and give you um, any kind of guidance, information, time, support to try to get these in your building. So uh, please reach out to us about that. Awesome. And that will be on the website and um, that'll be just such a valuable resource. Thank you so much for uh, for sharing that with our listeners. So again, this has been a lot of fun. Maybe we can do this again in like a year or so and see, you know, I love doing the where are they now episode. So I'm just planting that seed now, but I just want to thank you both for your time. And again, for sharing your stories. Thank you thank so you, much, Jenna. Jenna. It was so fun. Thanks. It was a pleasure talking to you and great meeting you. Don't you just love Allie and George? 
I love their energy and enthusiasm and how they've decided to fill a gap between what information patients and facilities need and what they can actually get. And I also love that they are filling their own professional fulfillment gap as well. I've interviewed a few folks on this podcast who own their private practices as part of a business partnership. And I always love hearing how people join forces to effectively run their businesses. These two are a great example of an effective partnership based on mutual respect, shared goals, and just enough differences to be stronger together when they join forces. In the episode, they mentioned a freebie, which you'll find at privatepracticesuccessstories.com when you search for this episode. Until next week, I hope that you've enjoyed this story because I have many more to share. Just like how George and Allie had a dream and they figured out how to make it happen, if you have a dream of starting your own private practice, you can make it happen too. I believe in you, so that makes two of us. See you soon. I decided to invest in the Start Your Private Practice program because I honestly had no idea where to start. (laughs) And I just didn't really have the confidence or the know-how to be able to do that. So it was really nice to have a system that was all set up for me. I didn't have to reinvent the wheel or start from scratch. It was all there for me. And I was able to land a client within about the first week and a half of me going public with my private practice. So now I have 12 clients. It is such an invigorating and amazing experience. If you want help to start your speech therapy private practice, then head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist so that you will be notified as soon as we reopen the doors to the Start Your Private Practice system. Again, that's startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist. I cannot wait to help you start your private practice. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.